Well, I'm really pumped about this first series. We want to make Friday nights super fun, but we also want to make them really practical. Like, I want to, I want to share things with you tonight that you can just immediately apply, apply in your life tomorrow. And so the first series is called Going to Extremes, and each topic is going to be about two things that feel like they are opposing. Now, when I think about two opposing sides, I think about a tug of war. So some of you were around in the early days of LifeWay Young Adult Group. How many of you remember the year we did a tug of war on a soapy, wet slip and slide? Was that? I, didn't, I did not participate. I just watched. And I remember literally almost peeing myself because I was watching Lydia. Lydia, bless her heart, was down there giving it all she had on this tug of war, and her feet kept, like, wiping out from under her, and it was hysterical to watch. So, you know, sometimes life feels like that. The, the subtitle for this series is, it's going to extremes, ba- finding balance and breakthrough. And so when you think about a tug of war, sometimes it's about balancing two opposing things, all right? So you think about, um, one example would be saving versus spending, right? They're two opposing things, and it's really about finding the balance between the two. Another thing would be uh, taking care of yourself versus pouring into other people. And so those are areas where you've got to find balance. But then you have areas where you need to find breakthrough, where realistically speaking, the tug of war needs to all be pulled to one side. So when we think about areas like forgiveness versus holding a grudge, there it's not about finding balance. It's about finding breakthrough, and you've got to tug that rope all the way over to the side of forgiveness. Or if we talk about gossip versus restraint, again, it's not about finding balance. It's about finding breakthrough, and you want to bring that rope all the way over. So during the series, some nights we'll talk about balance-related topics, and sometimes it will be breakthrough, and you'll see in a minute what we're doing tonight. So tonight's topic is faith versus common sense. And I actually had a lot of fun prepping this because I realized that once you, t- once you get to be 50, you actually have gotten to exercise both of these muscles in your life quite a bit. And so I had a lot of stories to share. But you were in a really critical season of your life, the 18 to, to 29 range. You know, you were making big decisions about college and career. What do I want to do with the rest of my life? And then you've got to make choices accordingly. Um, it's also the season where you're really thinking about marriage and about dating and about finding the one. For some of you, it's going to mean, you know, buying a house. For some of you, it's going to be starting a family. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of crucial things. And, and I don't want you to think that once you hit 29, you're done with that, because truthfully, Gary and I still feel like we are b- making big decisions all the time. But it is a really crucial time. And I want you to feel really prepared as you go forward in finding, finding common sense and, and faith and what that looks like in your own life. Because here's the thing. Like, what does this look like as a Christian? Are we supposed to, is it all supposed to be faith? Like, is, is faith spiritual thing and common sense is worldly and secular? Is, is that supposed to be our view? What about um, when you need to make a decision, how do you know if you're actually making it in faith or if you're just being foolish? How do you know? Uh, other questions. Uh, is this an area where you need balance or is it an area where you need breakthrough? What happens if you make it as a decision and you think you made it in faith and then it totally blows up in your face? What happens then? Because I promise you it will happen at some time in your life, hopefully only once, but I, you know, everybody's journey is a little different. But these are hard practical questions. And so I want to start by defining faith and common sense a little bit. Now I want you to think back to when you were in school 
Um, you were luckier than me, and your children will be even luckier than you because trends in education keep changing. And so back in my day, there was like one, that makes me sound really old, but like there was one way to learn. Teachers just did it the same way, and it didn't really matter what kind of learner you were. So, you know, some, I, I was fortunate because I was an auditory learner, and that's the way teachers always taught. So auditory learners learn through listening and reading. But a lot of people are uh, visual learners. They do better if there's pictures or images. Then we have tactile learners who do better with hands-on kinds of things. And then we have kinesthetic learners who learn by moving. And so I wanted to define faith versus common sense in, in several different ways because I think you are different kinds of learners. And I think that one of them is going to click for you. And you're going to say, oh, that definition really made sense to my head, and then that's the one that you can cling to. So here are a couple of things I want you to know about common sense versus faith. So the first one is this. Common sense is self-explanatory, whereas faith defies logic. Okay, common sense is self-explanatory, whereas faith defies logic. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. When you do something because common sense has told you to do it, it's easy to explain why you did it to other people, okay? So if you said to your friend, oh, hey, I got another job, and they're like, oh, why? And you said, well, I wasn't making enough at my previous job. I needed more income, so I got another position, so I have more income. Totally self-explanatory, okay? Faith looks more like this. You take a job that involves a pay cut, and someone says, oh, why did you do that? And you say, well, I felt like God opened the door, and I was supposed to walk through it. It defies logic. It doesn't make sense in the natural, but it makes sense in the spiritual. So that kind of describes the difference between the two. Common sense is self-explanatory. Faith defies logic. The second one is this. Common sense is using sound judgment based on earthly experience. So it's kind of a head decision, whereas faith is um, a judgment based on your spiritual experience. So it's more of a heart decision. And it looks a little bit like this. So common sense takes into account everything you already know. It says, this is what I've learned from watching other people. This is what's been taught to me. This is what I've learned through my own mistakes. And therefore, I will make a decision, a sound, rational decision based on that. So it's, it's something like this. You know, I really want to buy this thing, um, but I'm not going to put it on my credit card because past experience has shown me that I, I'm not good with that. I tend to rack up my credit card and then I have debt and then I'm in trouble. And so I know myself and I know Dave Ramsey would say, don't charge things on your credit card. And so I'm going to make a common sense decision and not charge this thing. Okay. Faith looks more like this. Faith can seem scary, but because you have a history with Jesus, you trust that what he's saying is the right thing to do. You trust that it's going to be okay. So, for instance, um, Gary recently deactivated his business and went to work for somebody else. Okay? Now, common sense would say, well, that, that seems silly. Why would you do that when you own your own business? But faith is different. Faith says, you know what? God has always been faithful to the Groff family in the past, and he has asked us to do crazy things like this before. And so we have a history with Jesus that shows us we can trust him. And so that's why we can make this decision. All right, that's the second definition. Here's, here's a third way to describe the difference. And I like this one a lot. This one clicks for me. 
Common sense is what we can do for ourselves. Faith is what we can't. Common sense is what we can do for ourselves, and faith is what we can't. God will not do everything for you. And oh, how we wish he did, but he doesn't. He's given us brains. He's given us hands and feet and mouths. And there are certain things that he expects us to go out and do for ourselves. It doesn't mean he's not there to help us. It doesn't mean he doesn't want to bless those things, but we have a role to play. So common sense says this. I would like to get married, and so therefore, I'm either going to have to ask someone on a date, or I'm going to have to say yes when someone asks me on a date. Common sense, right? Practical. It's what you can do. That's, that's, that's the only thing you can do, is take those steps. But faith says, okay, God will do the part you can't do. Okay, so the faith part of that is God is the one who you say, okay, by faith, I'm going to trust that you will show me if this is the person I'm supposed to marry. So the common sense and the faith work together. And one more, and um, I, I found this random guy on YouTube, and I'm like, oh, I like what he had to say. He said this, sometimes we try to make something happen, but faith says, uh-uh, get your hands off of it. Sometimes we sit around waiting for God to do something, and common sense says, no, get in there and get your hands on it. All right? Let me say that again. Sometimes we are, we're trying to make something happen on our own in the flesh, and God says, no, get your hands off of it. Faith says, let God take care of this one. Common sense is the opposite. Common sense is when we're sitting back and we're like, yep, Lord, you just do it. And he's like, no. Common sense says, you get in there and do it. All right. So again, it's a balance. So a couple of examples for that. Um, my brother has been in Idaho and Canada for the last eight years. Um, he graduated from um, with his doctorate in Idaho and then got a position in Canada. So he has been working really, really hard for several years to get a permanent position somewhere. And, and they were really particular, like he likes to do certain kinds of reset, research. He's a wildlife biologist. So he was really particular about the kinds of universities. He wanted like a mid-level, mid-sized university um, to do his research. And they really liked the West Coast, you know, maybe the Northeast. You know, certain places were just out for them, like the South was out. Um, they like to ski and hike and do all those things that are that are done up north. So he was very, very particular. And so that meant he just didn't apply for a lot of positions. All right. But faith stepped in. God stepped in and said, no, I, I want you to take your hands off of this thing. Because he thought he had a position. It was the one. Okay. It was the perfect position from an earthly perspective. And we were all sure he was going to get it. And he didn't. And it was devastating. But he had to step back and take his hands off of that. And faith said, let's let God do his thing in this position. So he texted all of us, did a group sibling text about a month ago. And he said, just letting you all know, I've accepted a position. He didn't tell us right away where it was. He just said, in New Jersey uh, for two years and we'll be moving next spring. And we're like, what? So we're texting him, and he said, yep, I applied on Monday. They interviewed me Tuesday, and I accepted Wednesday. Boom, just like that. And after having him be away for the past eight years, New Jersey feels like our back door, okay? So we're super pumped, okay? It's, it's doing wildlife research in Africa. That was not his thing, but it is now. And he's like, I mean, he didn't tell us this right away. Matt's super humble. It's actually at Princeton, okay? Princeton. 
But he didn't tell us that right away because that wasn't the kind of school that he wanted to, to do his research at. But here's what I'm saying. Matt tried so hard to manipulate that thing and make it look exactly like he wanted it, where he wanted it, and when he wanted it. And God said, nope, get your hands off of it and let me do my thing. And God has brought about something that he, he was texting me today and he said, honestly, it's, it's actually far bigger than what we had ever envisioned. All right. Now, the flip side of that is this. When, when, Common sense says, you know, we're sitting back and waiting for God to do something, and, and we're actually supposed to get in there and get our hands on it. So it has been a goal of mine to be a speaker and writer for years. I have been a speaker and writer for years. But at this point, it does not make me money, and that's always been the cry of my heart. So I will occasionally get paid for a speaking engagement. Typically, it covers my gas and my travel time, and that's about it. So it's not paying the mortgage, all right? So I've been waiting for the Lord to do something with this for a long time. Like, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Anytime you are, you just go ahead. And, and God said, no, I actually want you to get your hands on it. I want you to get in there and, and do something about it. And so in faith, as scary as it is, I've been writing, I've been vlogging, I've been doing everything I can to do my part. Because God's saying to me, listen, honey, I can't do my part if you don't do your part, if you don't actually speak and write, how can I do anything to make you a speaker and a writer? And so, again, it's that balance. And so, based on those definitions and everything we've talked about so far, tonight is not about breakthrough. Tonight is about balance. It's about having both faith and common sense activated in your life. Um, back, I was going to sing this, but now I'm embarrassed, so I'm not going to. Back when I was uh, a teenager in the 80s, and I don't know, do they still make finesse hair products? Do they still make finesse? I don't even know. There was a little jingle, and the jingle said, sometimes you need a little finesse, sometimes you need a lot. That was the jingle, okay? I don't know. It was catchy back then, okay? It was the 80s. Now, here's the thing. You will never just need a little common sense. You will always need a lot. You will never just need a little bit of faith. You will always need a lot. And I realized something that I've been doing lately, and it's so weird. I think I've been doing this for months, and I didn't even realize till the other day that it's, it's become habit. I'm not a morning person, but I do make myself get up at a decent hour and get the day started because otherwise you don't get anything done. So, but I wake up every morning, and I stretch. And if Gary's not there, if he's already left for work, I say it out loud. And I, I stretch, and I say this. I go, I need you, I need you, I need you. And I was like... I just realized I do that every single morning. And I realized I did it tonight. I was back there worshiping and I was praying about speaking tonight. And I heard myself say, I need you, I need you, I need you. And I don't know why I say it three times, if it's like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit or what. But that's, that's what I've been saying. Because I need him, I need him, I need him. Whether it is the common sense or the faith, either way, I don't need just a little bit of him. I need a lot. And I need it on a daily basis. And so do you. So I want to give you a couple of just encouraging points and tell you about some areas where I have failed with this whole faith and common sense thing because you can learn from other people's mistakes. And that's, that's basically one of my first points. So first thing is this. You can grow in both of these areas. You can change in both the areas of common sense and faith. And it's actually imperative that you do, that you grow in both of these areas. You do not want to be 30 with the common sense of a 10-year-old, correct? Okay? And so there will always be new levels of common sense and new levels of faith that we can grow into. But how do you grow in those areas? So 
First of all, I would say to grow in, in your common sense, you learn from other people's stories and you learn from your own. And, you know, I've heard people say, well, I can't learn from other people's mistakes. I have to make my own. And I would say that is just hogwash, okay? That's just, that's a lie. Because you can learn from other people's mistakes if you are, if you are humble enough to acknowledge what they've experienced and say, I don't, I don't want to make that same mistake. So I'm not saying look around for everything, every way everybody else is screwing up and then keep note of it and, and say, I'm not going to do that, okay? But you will automatically see other people make choices that are unwise. And so you can learn from that. But I would say one of the best ways to grow in common sense is to look for people who are doing it right. Look at how other, find, find somebody else that you admire who is handling their money well. Find somebody else that you see, I really like the way they treat their spouse. Find somebody else that, like, I really like the way they parent and, and the way they discipline their children. I like the way I see their children respond to them. And you can learn from other people. You can grow in this area of common sense just sheerly by observation. It doesn't mean set your sights on any one person. Just be observing all the time what's going on, and you can grow in it. I'm in a season where I am, I am observing old people because I'm very aware that, you know, that's not that far away from me. And I don't say that like a doom and gloom kind of thing. But the reality is, you know, when I was your age, I was watching people that were 20 and 30. And I was seeing, like, what are, what are they doing? Like, how are, how are they doing this whole, you know, life and marriage and family thing? And now I'm watching people that are 60 and 70 and 80. And I'm saying, what are they doing and how can I learn from what they do? Because I see, I see lots of old people that I admit I don't want to be like. You know, I see them, and, and I realize you don't always have control over what happens to you as you get older. So I fully acknowledge that. Like, there is grace for that. But I see people who don't, who, it's like they stop contributing to life. They stop contributing to the kingdom of God when they get older. And then I see these people who are vibrant and alive, and we've got a bunch of them at Lifeway, and they inspire me. And so I'm watching them because common sense says, if I want to be like that when I'm their age, then I need to do some of the same things they're doing in order to get there. So I'm learning from them. I'm learning from them. Proverbs 16.22 says, Common sense is a fountain of life to the one who has it. It's a fountain of life to the one who has it. I love that. And Proverbs 2.2 says, Make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. So we're looking and we're watching and we're observing because we want to grow in the area of common sense. Now, the second thing is this. How do you grow in your faith? Because that's equally important. And, you know, of course, our walk with the Lord is the most important thing. But just because common sense sounds earthly doesn't mean that we shouldn't pay attention to it because God wants to grow us in that, too. So how do you grow your faith? Well, a couple of things. Romans 10:17 says faith comes from hearing and hearing, <clears throat> excuse me, through the word of Christ. So, like it or not, you can't really grow in your faith without hearing the Word of God. And in order to hear the Word of God, you actually have to read the Word of God. And so, we just started the year, and I'm guessing if I made you raise your, raise your hand, which I won't, I'm guessing a lot of you made, made some resolutions or goals. We'll call them goals because that seems more worthy. Um, you've made a goal that you're going to have... 15 minutes with the Lord every morning, or you've made a goal to read through your Bible this year. And maybe some of you are already saying, oh my goodness, it's day four, and I've already, I've already screwed up. But 
you need to get right back on that thing because your faith will grow through the word of God. Another way that faith grows, though, is by actually using it. So you can go to the gym. Like, okay, so I don't go to the gym, which is probably obvious, but if I did, I would have to observe what other people were doing on the machines in order to understand what should be done, right? I'd have to, oh, that's how that works. So that's what you do with that thing, okay? But I could watch people all day long, and until I get on those machines, it's not going to do anything for me, correct? Same thing is true with faith. So you can watch other people and say, ah, he's such a man of faith. She's such a woman of faith. I just love the way they step out and do bold things. You can admire their faith all day long. But yours is not going to grow until you actually exercise your faith. And that can feel really, really scary um, because we know it's possible to make mistakes, which leads me to the next point. And this is something that nobody really told me when I was your age. And so I'm telling you this tonight because I want you to know it. Walking by faith, it, it is a season of trial and error. And that, that might sound ridiculous, but I'm going to back it up with some points and some stories here. Do not give up because you have missed the voice of God in the past. Okay? You think about children when they're learning to walk. If every little, little baby or toddler gave up because they fell, none of us would be on our feet today. Okay? But you get back up and you do it again. And unfortunately, what the enemy likes to do is we make a mistake. We, we think we're doing something by faith and it totally blows up and we say, well, clearly, I'm not hearing from God. You know, clearly, God doesn't care about me. You know, clearly, I'm in this big mess, and I don't know what to do about it. And so we just kind of give up pursuing. But I'm here to encourage you. That is part of the process. And that faith muscle cannot get stronger unless you actually use it. And so you are going to have to be willing to make mistakes if you want that thing to grow. Now, I've told this story before, and some of you have heard it, but... Um, you, you can hear the voice of God because his word says his sheep hear his voice. So if you're here tonight and, and you know Jesus, you, you hear his voice. I think we don't always like what he says, but we hear him, okay? And I always tell the story of this guy, Doug, that I went to high school with who had a really distinctive voice. It wasn't good or bad. It was just really distinctive. And we weren't even friends. I just would hear him talking in the hall. I don't think we ever had any classes together or anything. But one time, like 10 years, 15 years after we graduated, I was taking a walk through town, and I literally heard a voice way down the street, and I thought to myself, I think that's Doug. And sure enough, walked down the street, and there was Doug sitting on a porch talking to somebody else. I recognized his voice because it was distinctive. And the voice of God is the same way. It is distinctive. And as you get to know him, you will recognize it more and more and more. It will be familiar to you. But you got to start. you got to start somewhere. So let me tell you, okay, so, th so this point was that it's a, it's a process of trial and error, and you can't give up on your faith journey just because you screw up. So I'm going to tell you about a time I really screwed up on hearing the word of God. Um, if you heard me preach a couple weeks ago, I talked about our journey with selling our house in Mannheim and moving up here to Anvil. But there was so much backstory to that story. So I remember the first house where we planned to bid to buy it at an auction. And I loved this place. It was my dream house. It was really, really old, which is my preference. And it was a two-story, which is my preference. And it, was, it had brownstone. And I love brownstone houses. 
And so we, you know, we took my dad up because he used to sell real estate and it was in our, in our budget. Presumably that's where it would go when, when the option. So we went, um, fully prepared that this house was going to be ours. And I wish I remembered all the, all the reasons why I was convinced it was ours other than the fact that it was the perfect house. But I do remember one time I was driving through the square in Mannheim and I was, I was praying about this house and I saw a sign, like it's embarrassing now, but I saw a sign for Brownstone Realty. Okay. It was a real estate company and I saw the word Brownstone and I was like, that's it. That's God. God is confirming to me that we are going to buy this Brownstone house. <clears throat> and I was sure of it. And so we get to the auction, and needless to say, we did not get the brownstone house. Um, it went above our budget. We did, I think we did bid a couple times, but then it, it started moving, and we're like, yeah, it's not ours. And I remember afterward, I don't remember why, Gary and I had driven separately to the auction for some reason, so I left to pick up the girls. They were staying with my sister. And I remember weeping in the car because I was sure I had heard from God. Like, I was sure that was our house. And I, I just remember crying, and I said to him, okay, okay, here's the deal. I, I need you to help me get over that house fast because clearly I blew it, and I don't want to be grieving this thing for the next you know, weeks and months. So I'm asking you, first of all, to just heal that hurt in my heart instantly. I said, the thing that scares me the most, Lord, is that my faith has taken a hit. And my confidence in my ability to hear you and make decisions based on my relationship with you has taken a hit. And that scares me more than losing the house. And so I said, God, you're going to have to work and you're going to have to work really fast. Because I, I felt scared of what my heart and my head could do if I pondered that thing too long. I'm telling you, within 24 hours, I was completely over that house. Done. By the next day, didn't care. Wasn't even sure I wanted it. You know, it was like, it was weird. It was like, I mean, it was supernatural, totally supernatural. And my relationship with the Lord did not miss a beat, did not miss a beat, but it could have. So, so, you know, you will have your own stories like that. And I, I wish, I wish you didn't have to, but we've all done it where we just, we just are sure that somebody is ours. You know, I was sure I was going to marry Kevin Brubaker. I was positive I was going to marry him and because there was a song you know there was a, a cheesy saying that all the teenage girls used to say back then if you love something let it go and if it comes back to you it's yours and so I was like that's it he's going to come back to me because he broke up with me and and uh, I was like I'm sure I'm just going to let him go and eventually he'll come back and he never did and you know what I really didn't care you know like but like, I was sure, I was sure he was the one. And now I have this delightful guy back here. So Kevin turned out to be a great guy, but I, I'm glad I didn't marry him. I'm glad I have this guy. All that to say, you will have times where you're sure you heard the Lord and, and you've missed it. <laughs> and I did not miss it on you, buddy. I did not. Um, but um, yes, all. But here's the thing. We can let that stuff cripple us, and then we're scared to move out in faith again. And so what was really cool is in, in the approximately 8 to 10 years from that incident until we bought our house in Anvil, I had had all those years to grow in my faith. And I'm sure I screwed up more. I just can't remember all the times. But, you know, it, it's, just, it's just taking a chance. I, I think that was God. I'm going to act in faith on it. And... And you just, you begin to grow and you get more familiar with his voice and you gain confidence in it. So by the time we went to the Anvil house, okay, 
the Anvil House was nothing I wanted. Nothing I wanted. So when we decided to start looking up here, we would go on the computer and we would punch in our parameters. You know, this is our price range, this is how many bedrooms, this is how many bathrooms. And there was nothing, nothing like I wanted. But this stupid house kept popping up every single time. First one in the search, first one, first one. And so finally, my family said, well, why don't we just go look at it? Like, we have nothing to lose. It's like we're not committed to buying it. So I was like, okay. I mean, I, did, I had zero enthusiasm about it, but it's like, whatever. So I, I was in a season then where God would often speak to me through cardinals. He would show me a cardinal at a significant time. And it was just, it was really cool. It, that lasted for quite a few years. And it was always at significant times he would show me cardinals. And it was, it was his way of, of showing me things, revealing things to me. And so the day before we went to look at the house, I said to the Lord, and I, I admit I had total faith for this. I said, when we get up there to look at that house tomorrow, because it, it was really ugly online. It was terrible. I said, when we get up there tomorrow, can you please show me a cardinal so that I know that's how I'll know it's the house for us. And then I got more specific and I said, Lord, that place is so ugly inside. I said, can you show us a cardinal before we go in? Because I feel like I need to know it's the house before I ever set foot in it. Okay, so that's what I asked God in total confidence that he was going to answer. So that night, Hannah was talking to us and she was saying that she was really struggling to hear from God. <clears throat> and she was really hurting. And um, so I, she didn't know anything about what I had prayed. But I said, Lord... I would really like you to show Hannah the cardinal tomorrow. I want her to see that you do speak to her. And so we go up to look at the house, and, and most, if not all of you, have been there. And so we started pulling in that lane, and my heart started to beat a little faster. And I thought, this is really cool back here. Like, I had no idea this was back here. Like, I could, I could live in a place like this instead of, you know, Main Street in Mannheim. And we pulled out, we got out of the car, and I stood there, and I am not kidding you, I looked around at that yard. I always wanted a flat yard because I grew up on a hilly, a hilly yard, so I wanted flat. And I stood there at the top of that hill in front of the house, and my heart said, this feels like home. And I was like, this is, this is crazy. Like, I expected to hate it up here. And all of a sudden, I hear Hannah, and she says, hey, Mom, look, there's a cardinal in the tree. And that tree right out in front of our house with a little gray bench under it, there's a cardinal sitting up there. And I was like, I think this is the place. I think this is the place. So we walked inside, and it was even worse than we had imagined, based on the pictures. <clears throat> some of you saw it in the glory days, and um, some of you helped us get rid of the glory days. <laughs> and so we walk in, we're walking around, and Hannah goes over to the kitchen windowsill, and she goes, hey, Mom, look, there's another cardinal. And there was a little toothpick, a cardinal toothpick holder sitting on the windowsill. And I was like, okay, Lord, you are freaking me out right now. Like, this is crazy. And we keep walking around the house, and my mind is seeing the way it looks now. My mind is seeing it with walls torn down and with old wood on the walls. And my mind was seeing all of it. And we go out to the garage, and Hannah goes, Mom, look, there's more cardinals. And there are these two hideously ugly cardinal decals on the garage door. They're still there. And as long as they stick, as long as they have glue or whatever on them, I will keep them. She's two more cardinals, okay? What a great experience with the Lord, okay? I mean, it was one of the highs of my adult life. Not the getting of the house, but that God would speak to me like that and that I could recognize it. But you think about how royally I had screwed it up 10 years earlier, okay? I mean, screwed it up. 
But you walk with the Lord, you exercise that faith muscle, and he gives you opportunities. And, and all of a sudden, one day, you say, yes, this is what it's supposed to feel like. This is what it's supposed to look like. So do not give up if you miss it, because there are more opportunities to grow your faith. And you will have stories like that, too, and someday you will be sharing them with other people. You might already have stories like that. If you... If you are not sure if it's God speaking, and I know I've shared this with some of you before, ask the Lord to confirm it, all right? Because here's what I always say to the Lord. If I think I've heard him, but I'm not quite sure, I always say, God, could you confirm that for me? Because I trust you, but I don't trust me. I know that it would be very easy for me to just convince myself that something was God, even if it wasn't. And he has been faithful over and over and again to confirm things for me. And so I remember when I was, I was teaching school, the girls were, I think they were in third and sixth grade when I went back to teaching. And I taught for five years. And by the fifth year, I was feeling really burned out. I was having some health issues. And I just, I did not feel like I could continue to work full time. And so I was praying about it. And one day on the way to work, I heard a song on the radio. And you know, songs, God often speaks to us through songs, right? But we can also take those lyrics and twist them to mean something, okay? So we, we got to be so careful. So I was, this song came on the radio, and the line was, the same God that led you in will lead you out. And I thought, okay, I had a really cool story about how God led me into that teaching position, and I really felt like God was saying, I'll be very clear also when it's time to, to leave. And so I like kind of tucked it away, and I was like, okay, I, I think I was hearing God, but I sat on that for a while, and I said, Lord... Like, I, I don't trust me, but I trust you. So if that was really you, could you confirm it for me? And I'm sorry if I'm being obnoxious, but, like, could you just confirm it? Because my faith is a little weak. And so about a month later, he gave me a vision. And it was a vision of a trapeze artist. And in the vision, the trapeze artist, like they do, let go of the one swing and was hanging in midair for a split second before he grabbed the other swing. And I felt like the Lord was saying, there are times when I will ask you to let go of something and you will have that moment where you do not know what you're doing, but when the other swing comes, you'll know and you'll grab it. So I was like, okay, well, I know I didn't, I mean, I don't, I never think about trapeze artists, okay? I never think about them. So I was pretty sure it was God. And so I sat on that for a while and I just, I was just scared. And so we got to January and it was soon going to be time to sign contracts for the next year. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm so sorry, but like, can you just confirm it one more time? Because again, I trust you, but I just, I don't trust me. And I didn't want to be foolish. I wanted to make a, a, a choice by, in, in faith that God was speaking. And so it was the beginning of the year. And I'm telling you, it was probably right around January 4th. I was reading through the Bible that year and it started in Genesis and I was up to Genesis 12 and I opened my Bible and the scripture that day was Genesis 12:1, where God says to Moses, uh, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And it was like, boom, okay. God was asking me to make a faith move like Abraham, to leave the position not knowing exactly where I was going. And so I talked to the principal and I resigned. And I had a split second, which was in real time, was about eight months, I think, that I didn't have a job, and then God brought the next swing, and I grabbed it when it came, and he was faithful in that. Um, so, I, you know, Beth Moore is one of my favorite speakers and authors, and she says this, if I'm going to err, I'd rather err on the side of faith. If I'm going to make a mistake, 
And I'd rather make a mistake in taking a chance by faith that it was really God that spoke. So don't expect perfection of yourself. Expect perfection from God. And he will walk you through those situations and give you what you need. All right. Next point. And this one, this one hurts a little. And I, I'm going to tell you one of my most embarrassing stories ever. Don't use faith as an excuse to not do your part. Don't use faith as an excuse to not exercise common sense. Okay? Because sometimes we use it as an out. So think about this. Faith can be a pretty handy excuse. It's like spiritual procrastination. Sometimes we don't want to do anything because we're scared about what God's asking us to do. Sometimes it's because we aren't sure what God is asking us to do. Sometimes we are afraid what others will say about us if we do what God is asking us to do. And sometimes we're just afraid we're going to screw it up. So we sit back and we say, I've got faith that God's going to take care of this. I've got faith God's going to open the door. I've got faith for this and faith for that. And we just sit around and we do nothing because it's all by faith. And there are times where that's what God will ask you to do. But we have to be so honest with ourselves if we are using it as an excuse to get out of doing what we're supposed to do. And I have done that. Shamefully, I've done it. Colossians 3.23 says this, In all the work you're doing, work the best you can. Work as if you were working for the Lord, not for men. And if you do that, it totally frees you from the opinion of man. It frees you from perfectionism. It, it frees you from fear of the outcome because you're working for the Lord. You're working to honor him. So I remember my biggest speaking fail ever. I had been invited to speak at a church in Lidditz. It was an evening women's group. And I was really struggling to come up with a topic. And because of that, I let fear start to influence me, okay? I was scared. I was scared that the day was going to come and I wasn't going to know what I was going to say. I was scared that I was going to get up there and look like a fool. I mean, I did all these things, actually. But uh, I was just, I had a lot of fear. So I used faith as an excuse to not study. I thought about the great speakers that I knew and admired, like the Jimmy Nymans of this world. And I thought, you know what? The really anointed speakers... They just get up there and talk. It was, it was bad. It was bad. They just get up there and talk. They hardly look at their notes. Some of them don't even have notes. And they just get up there. And you know what? By faith, I am going to give this a shot. Now, this was just me being lazy. This was me procrastinating. This was me being afraid. And I should have had a holy fear of God because I had been given this opportunity and I blew it. So I got up there, and all I had was my Bible and a couple thoughts in my head about the story where Moses sends the spies to spy out the land of Canaan. You know the whole song, 12 men went to spy on Canaan, 10 were bad, and 2 were good. Okay, I had like three thoughts from that passage, and I was like, I have faith that God is going to totally anoint this thing when I get up there. It was so embarrassing, I can't even tell you. I am up there talking nonstop saying absolutely nothing of value. Or, and I could see it on their faces. Like, they were not tracking with me, and no wonder, because I was not saying anything. And, I mean, it was embarrassing. I could not wait to get out of there. I feel myself blushing just thinking about it. And every now and then, I will run into one of the women that was there, and I think, oh, please, God, I hope they don't rem remember me as that woman, because it was so embarrassing. But see, I used faith 
as an excuse to not do my part. I was like, I'll just throw this on God. I just have faith God will do it, and then I don't have to do anything. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. I did nothing. It was, it was embarrassing. Here's what I would say. You give yourself 100% to every option that's available to you. And then you have faith that God will give 100% to everything that he can do. It is, it is not 50-50. It is 100% you and 100% him. And that's the way it works. Believe me, I learned my lesson. When I speak now, I study and pray and practice for hours and hours and hours. And you know what? I still feel like I'm going to throw up every time I speak. <laughs> because I am well aware that even if I've done 100% of my part, if God does not show up, it will be another disaster. It will be another disaster. So it doesn't matter if I've spent 10, 15 hours studying. If God isn't walking up here with me, I might as well sit right down. And so it is 100% me, and then I get up there and I say, God, now it's 100% you. Because my words will fall flat on the ground if he does not anoint them. It is all you, and it is all him in every area of life, no matter what it is. I have a friend who, whose marriage is in trouble um, her husband um, had an affair, and she has been amazing to me. I have watched her give 100% to try to reconcile that marriage. She has welcomed him back twice. She has gone to marriage counseling. She has continued to believe in him and believe for him and believe for their marriage. All right, She is giving it 100% from an earthly perspective. But she is well aware that she needs 100% of God to heal her husband and heal her heart and heal their marriage. So it, if she sat back and said, okay, Lord, you're just going to have to, you're going to have to fix it. You're going to have to do it. Or she could just work herself to death trying to fix it herself. But the reality is it's going to take all of her and all of God if this marriage is going to be saved. And I'm still having faith that that's going to happen, but she's in the middle of the battle right now. But I'm so, I'm so proud of her. All right, here's, here's another thing. Don't ever use faith as an excuse to do something that you really want to do. Don't use faith as an excuse to do something that you really want to do. Sometimes we use God as a scapegoat for things, all right? Because here's the thing. Uh, now, I'm terrible at card games. Some of you know that by experience. But I do know what a trump card is, okay? We play faith like a trump card, because we know, I really want to do this thing or buy this thing or go this place. And it's like, you know, deep down inside, it's not wise. Okay? It's not common sense. And you know that once your friends or your parents or, you know, whoever finds out about it, they're going to call you out, right? So what do we do? We want to do it so badly, we play faith like a trump card. Because if you throw down the trump card of faith, who's going to argue with that? Because then they're arguing against God. Well, God told me that I should do this. God told me I should buy this. God told me I should go there. Oh, really? Okay. But here's the thing. If you say that, I'm like, well, I don't want to argue. How do I know? Maybe God did say it. So if I argue with you, then it makes me look like a bad guy. And see, we can play, we can play the faith trump card because we want to get by with doing something we shouldn't do. Here's what I want you to hear. A faith move might defy logic but it will never defy God's word. 
Okay? A faith move might defy logic, but it will never defy God's word. I remember my sister had a sixth grade teacher, and she was precious. Great teacher, precious woman, you know, devoted follower of Jesus. But she, um, she ended up marrying an unbeliever because she said she had complete faith that he was going to come to know the Lord. Well, it never happened. Okay, it never happened, and they ended up getting divorced some years down the road after a lot of years of unhappy marriage. Okay, she said she was making a move by faith, but you know what? It couldn't have been a faith move because it defied the word of God. The word of God is very clear, you know, that we are not to marry unbelievers. That's for our protection, you know? And so she, it, it might have looked like a faith move, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, I know another experience, a guy that we knew, he bought... I think it's, I think I, I should have checked this with Gary. I think I'm saying the right vehicle. A Hummer? I don't know if you know who I'm talking about. Okay. And I think it was like well over $30,000. And here's the thing. That might be okay for some people, but he was barely, barely supporting his family. He had children and a wife, and he was barely putting food on the table. But he said, God told me to buy this Hummer. Okay, well, now, here's the thing. That could have looked like incredible faith that God was going to provide for those monthly payments. But the reality is that defied the word of God and how, how God tells us to use our money and care for our families and all of those things. And so he did admit later that he was wrong to his credit. He did get rid of the vehicle because he couldn't afford it, and he admitted he was wrong. He really just wanted it. But you play the faith card so that you can convince yourself it's okay to do what you want to do, and then everybody else will back off, and they won't try to correct you. Here's the thing about that. You know one of the Ten Commandments says not to take the Lord's name in vain, okay, which also means to not use it carelessly or thoughtlessly. It also means don't use it deceptively. So honestly, when we're doing that, when we're using God's name to throw down the faith trump card, we are using his name in vain. We are using it deceptively to try to convince other people that what we're doing has been mandated by God when it really isn't. So it's, just, it's a caution to me um, to be careful about that. Once you learn the difference between common sense and faith, and once you've started to exercise that faith muscle, God will ask you to do some things that look crazy on the surface. We've done so many things that look crazy on the surface. I mean, we started a business, and we, we discontinued a business, and we both changed jobs, and we've moved, and we've done a lot of things that look crazy on the surface, but I'm telling you, every single one of them was, were, were things that God asked us to do, and his, his blessing and provision and protection followed along with that because he's faithful. <clears throat> Here is, uh, I think this is the last point. You, and, and this, if you hear nothing else tonight, I want you to hear this. You need faith to believe that God's got your back even when common sense fails you. You need faith to believe that God's got your back even when common sense fails you. Listen. We all make mistakes, times when we thought we were moving in faith and we were really just moving in stupidity. We have all done it, okay? You're not the only one. Times when we ignored what common sense was whispering in our ear because we knew what we wanted to do and it blew up in our faces. But I'm telling you, God does not throw us to the wolves when we screw up, okay? Even if you totally messed it up, he can get in there. I mean, yes, you'll have to reap what you sow. There will be consequences, you know, to, like buying that Humber. The consequence was he ended up with bills he couldn't pay and had to get rid of it. So, yes, we reap what we sow, but God will step in there 
And he can make things right. He can redeem things. He can fix things. He can heal things even when we screw it up. And so that should give you total freedom in your walk with the Lord to grow in your faith, to grow in your common sense, to make decisions, to exercise your faith muscle and say, I'm going to go for it. And, and I'm, I'm going to trust here that if, if I'm really off base, God's got my back because he does. So one, I was going to say it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible, but it's really not. It's just a crazy story. Um, the Israelites. Okay. And this is, this is a really cool story of somebody that royally screwed up and God had their backs. Okay. So the Israelites had been hugely successful. This was under Joshua, and they had just had victory after victory after victory, and two of the biggest ones had just occurred. They had defeated Jericho and Ai. And so word had spread around the land about the Israelites and how powerful they were, and other countries were hearing about it and getting nervous because they're thinking, are we next? Are we the next ones that they're going to kill? And so the Gibeonites lived very close to the Israelites, and they were scared. And so they hatched a plan, a very deceptive plan. They said, let's trick them into making a treaty with us so that we don't get killed. And so they put on old clothing. I mean, they were like the neighboring town, okay? But they wanted to make it look like they had come from far away. So they put on, this is in the Bible, okay? They put on old clothing. They put on sandals that had been patched up. They literally used old wineskins and they packed moldy bread, so that it would look like they had been traveling for days and days and days to get to the Israelites. So they get to the Israelites, and uh, they say, let's, let's make a treaty. And the Israelites question them. They say, well, where do you come from? How do we know that you're not our neighbors? And they said, well, look at our bread. It's moldy. They said, it literally says this, this bread was warm when we left. And, and look at it, look at it now. And it says this, the Israelites tasted their provisions, but they never inquired of the Lord. They tasted the provisions, and they never inquired of the Lord. So they totally missed it there. Faith and common sense failed them right there, okay? So they, they make a treaty, and they say, okay, we will let you live. We'll live at peace with you. Three days later, they find out that it was actually the Gibeonites who, like, live over the hill, and they had been tricked. And Joshua's like, okay... Get back here. So they come back, and he's like, why did you do that? And they're like, well, we were afraid. We were afraid of you. And he says, okay, well, we've made a treaty, so we can't kill you because treaties, I mean, you had to hold true to what you said in treaty. But he said, you've spoken a curse over yourself, and so now you're going to be woodcutters and water carriers and serve us. That's, that's the curse that's come upon you. And they say, okay, they're actually happy because they're not dead. And so they, they agree to this. Okay. Now, here's the part. The Israelites totally screwed up, and they have to reap what they sow. So a neighboring king uh, from, I think it was Jerusalem, am I right? Yes, the king of Jerusalem, Adonai Zedek, he's nervous now. He's like, wow, they made a treaty with the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites are really powerful. So he goes and he gets four other kings, and he says, hey, let's all five band together, and let's go fight Gibeon. And the Gibeonites find out about this, and they're scared. So they run to the Israelites, and they say, hey, you made a treaty with us. We're one of you, so now you have to come defend us. You have to come help us fight. And they had no choice. The Israelites had to reap what they had sowed. Now, this is what it says in Scripture. It's so fascinating. It says they marched all night, all night to get to the scene of the fight. Okay, in, uh, I, I did some studying, and it was actually, it was an all-night march. It was 21 to 26 miles, and it was uphill. It was a 4,000-foot ascent. You want to talk about reaping what you sowed? Okay, all this 
to defend some people that had completely tricked them. Okay? So this is what they do, and they get there, and you can just imagine the grumbling, right? Like, ah, oh, we're so stupid, or maybe Joshua's so stupid, or whoever, you know? How do we let this happen? You know, how do we get into this mess? And God would have every right to look down and say, you got yourselves into this mess, you can get yourselves out of it. Which is, I think, a lot of times what we think he's thinking about us, right? Like, it's my fault, so I'm actually not going to ask for his help because I, I totally screwed this up. But that's not what God did. Listen to this. So they get there, and God throws the five kings and their armies into total confusion. And so they start fleeing, and God sends hail. And it says, more men were killed from hailstones than from the sword of the Israelites. Imagine that. More men were killed from hail than from the actual killing and the fighting. And they're totally defeated. And it also says, God stopped the sun in the middle of the sky for 24 hours. He extended the day for 24 hours so that they had more daylight hours in which to fight. And in the end, they capture the five kings. And then there's a really creepy story after that about what they do with the five kings. So I'll let you read that on your own. But um, So they are completely victorious. And this is what I love. In Joshua 10:14, it says this. At the end of that story, it says, Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. So... I don't care what, what mistakes you've made or how you've misheard God or when you, you acted in faith and it was totally just you being, being foolish. God is still fighting for you, and he can still redeem that thing, even if you mess it up. So you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to feel like you've got to get it perfect. God will have your back either way. And I really hope that ministers to some of you tonight. So the balance of faith... And, uh, and common sense is available to everybody in this room. And, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, it, today's a clean slate, and not just because it's the beginning of January. But, like, what a great time to say, God, like, grow me in this. You know, let's make 2019 a year where I grow in my faith and I grow in my common sense. I mean, we're, a lot of you are going to be starting a fast on Sunday. This would be a great thing. If you're not sure what to fast for, ask God to grow you in this. Say, I'm fasting for this. I want to grow in common sense, and I want to grow in faith, and I want to find the balance in my life, and I want to get better at both of them. So I want to just pray for you uh, and, and just thank you for coming. I'm just I'm thrilled. I was, I was feeling really emotional during worship. I went over to Kyle and Brittany and just told them how much I appreciate them because we started our young adult group three years ago with one girl and three guys and Gary and I. And, and look what God's doing. Look what he's building. And so I find that incredibly exciting. And I'm really, someday we're going to look back. I'm telling you, when, when I pray about First Fridays and I picture them in our new building, I picture an auditorium filled with young adults. I picture every seat full and I picture people on the floors and in the aisles because we ran out of seats. And I'm, I just believe that that's what, that's what God wants to do. And you sitting here tonight, you are the seed you are the seed that's been planted, and you're going to be able to say, oh, I was there. I was there that first night when there were like 25 of us. And you are going to be able to celebrate that. You're going to be able to celebrate that. So I'm, I'm so glad you were here. I'm so glad you were here, and I just want to pray for you. And we'll have coffee and, and water. If you want to hang out and talk, you're welcome to do that. And some of us will be out here in this little lobby area. If anybody needs prayer, feel free to come out, and maybe you actually... Have an area where you need to exercise some common sense or faith and you'd like somebody to pray for you about it. Um, so we're happy to do that. So let me just pray. God, I thank you for tonight and I thank you for what you're doing here. And God, we so much 
want to walk in a way that pleases you, and we want to walk in a way that honors you, and we want to walk in a way that gives you glory. And so I'm asking that you would grow us in our faith and in our common sense so that we can, we can steward our lives well, and we can be the people you want us to be and do the things you've called us to do because we're, we're your kids, and we hear your voice, and we're walking with you, and we've got worlds to conquer And so I I just ask for a fresh anointing, God, that you would grow us in these areas in 2019. And we will look back at the end of this year with stories of your faithfulness and stories of how we've grown. And so we just bless you and we thank you for being here with us tonight. I just ask, Lord, for your, your protection over each one as they go home and for a weekend that is refreshing to spirit and body and soul. In Jesus' name, amen.